Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys our favorite toothpaste that the entire family uses. It's called Risewell, and Risewell is a fluoride-free toothpaste that has all non-toxic, safe ingredients, so it's even safe if swallowed, which makes it perfect for young children. I love Risewell because... Unlike some of the other natural and non-toxic toothpastes on the market, Risewell contains an ingredient called hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that actually has been scientifically proven to strengthen and protect our teeth without the use of fluoride. You can save 10% now with the code KULIK10 when you go to risewell.com. And again, that code is KULIK, K-U-L-I-K-10. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, I'm super excited because I have my friend Alicia joining us. Alicia, her Instagram account is Instinctual Birthing, and Alicia and I are actually really good friends in real life. Um, We actually lived down the street from each other just until, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago when I unfortunately moved away from you. Yeah. So good morning, Alicia. I know. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad that you are here with me. But Alicia, I just want you to, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for those that don't know you. So um, I have uh, my instinctual birthing account, like she said on Instagram, it's it's all about birth and mothering. Um, I'll give you a a brief bio. I'm 30, 36 years old. I'm married. I just had my fifth baby three weeks ago um, at home. I'm an RN. Um, and I guess for the purposes of this particular podcast, um, my questioning of birth and parenting and societal expectations and different things in the medical field started when I started working in the hospital many years ago and then just kind of have evolved through time. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's great. And I think your, your medical background is so, so interesting and so helpful to me. You know, we're both health professionals. I'm more, I've, I was more of a healthcare professional as an occupational therapist. You would be called a medical professional as a nurse. And we've both kind of seen so we've seen really good things about it about the system right and we've seen some really bad things too um and so we are talking today about who is the authority over our children because we live in a society in a culture where we have kind of 
outsourced our, our expertise, right? We've outsourced our expertise and we now look for, look to the, the external ex experts and doctors and, um, you know, even like the books, the, the baby books to guide our parenting journey and to tell us how to raise our kids. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I don't know if we have like a solution for it. We've, we've been talking back and forth about this, about this topic. And I was like, you know, I don't think that I have a solution, but I think it's kind of helpful to just talk about it because it's such a huge issue. Um, so, you know, I want to just give some examples. So I, have an Instagram account. A lot of you know, Taylor Kulik is my Instagram account and I um, support parents with sleep. I support families to sleep without sleep training and understand their biological infant sleep needs. And so what happens a lot is I'll either have like a, a Q and A, like a question and answer on my stories, or I just get, I just get messages. And parents are often asking me, should I do this? Is this okay? Um, and it's, really, I, I totally understand where those parents are coming from because I've been there too, but you know, we're, we're should, we, people should us all the time should, you know, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. And as parents, I think we have to really reclaim that power back. And we're actually the authority of our, of our children. And just a disclaimer here, you know, we're going to be talking about doctors and, you know, the medical community and all of that, but we're not attacking doctors. We're not attacking healthcare or medical professionals. Um, we should be able to have open conversations about the problems with the system while still respecting that it doctors have a, have a role in our society and, and they're important. Um, but the reality is that a lot of parents, most parents, I would say, have kind of been taught or trained that we need to go to doctors for every aspect of our child's life, right? Do you see that? Like definitely. Oh, definitely. Yes. And I and I want to mention too, uh, kind of piggybacking off what you said. I think we, the way we think collectively is that, you know this is an absolute truth and there's, and there's <clears throat> no room for anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, um, uh, kind of lost my train of thought there. Uh, if two things can simultaneously exist at the same time mm -hmm. with the medical field, it can be good. It can be good and do good things. And it can also have bad points also, you know, it could, there can be, bad things in the medical field and good at the same time. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because it's either one or the other. It's either all bad or all good. And that's not true. Yes. Um, specifically in obstetrics, you know, obstetrics has a lot of problems, especially in the United States, but there are some good things. Mm -hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. You know, I feel like we're going to be talking about so many topics here because they're all really related and, mm -hmm. and they kind of, they're just, it's just like a dynamic fluid kind of concept here that we're talking about. But, um, I kind of want, let's go back to like, how did this start? You know, how did we get from the place where we parents were confident mothers specifically were confident in their 
ability to parent and they weren't looking to all of the external sources. And, you know, maybe, maybe they were, maybe we've always kind of looked to external sources for guidance, but it looked different than it does now, because in the past we had these villages of wise women, mothers, grandmas, sisters, aunts, you know, whatever. And so if you were a new mom, you would turn to them, turn to your family, turn to your elder, your, your elder mothers in your life to mm -hmm. get guidance and wisdom about how to raise a baby. And we've, most of us, especially here in, you know, the United States, um, and there are a lot of other countries that fit that too. Um, but we've lost that. We don't have that anymore. And even when we do turn to our, our friends and our family, that wisdom, that, that kind of in, um, intuitive wisdom that has been, has been passed down, it's been lost somewhere. And so we've shifted from looking to our, our elders, the mothers in our life, to looking to professionals, people that have degrees, people that have medical backgrounds, people that write books about baby sleep and baby behavior. And I think that it, it starts at almost at birth. You know, we're, we're trained from a very young age to ask our doctor, get permission from our doctor. And even as, especially as mothers and women, we're not really taught about fertility, right? We, mm -hmm. you know, in sex education, we're not taught about our fertility. We're not taught how to track our cycles. Definitely. We're not taught about our pelvic floor. It's mm -hmm. so disempowering. It's disempowering. It's like, we're these, this pat, this, we're passive participants in our mm -hmm. own life are in our own fertility journey. And then even that, 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 um, goes right into birth and, you know, being pregnant and then the birth process as well, which maybe you can touch on that a little bit more too, if you want. Oh, for sure. It, and this is kind of interesting too, because I was messaging with a follower this morning and <clears throat> she brought up exactly what you said, the whole village mentality and, you know, um, mothers and grandmothers and, you know, wise women and village women and community women giving each other passing on their wisdom, giving each other advice. And I think it's probably, I think it's multifaceted, but I think it's a twofold issue. One, I think as time goes on, we put so much stock in experts and what is an expert. And if you don't have these, you know, X, Y, Z credentials, your opinion doesn't matter. You know, if you didn't go to this prestigious school and you don't have this diploma and you didn't do this fellowship and, you know, this or that, then what you have to say isn't valid and doesn't matter. And, and I think the other part of it is, too, because we listen so much to the experts for everything, we don't want to hear what our mothers, grandmothers, and all of those women have to say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I... I have been there myself with my first baby. I remember my mom talking to me about, um, you know, co-sleeping. My parents co-slept with my sister and I for years. So that was the norm for me. But even with my first child, there was already this power struggle between me and the pediatrician because the pediatrician is telling me, don't do this. It's dangerous. There's no way to safely do it. But my mom's like, but we did it with you guys. You know, you should try it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So 
parents are hearing so much noise from all aspects of their lives, from doctors, from, you know, our societal expectations. And I think that often drowns out the wisdom from our family members. And Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up um, that, you know, it's the certain, certain degrees and certain trainings mm-hmm. and certain schools. You have to have this certain education or background to be trusted basically. And um, gosh, there's a lot I want to say about this. So first of <laughs> all, I think that we are taught at a young age not to trust ourselves. And I think this even ties into the way we parent our children and then ties into respectful parenting. We teach our kids not to trust their emotions and um, the way that they're feeling. So there's that. And then we teach our kids that they have to, and not just our kids, it's just kind of the societal thing, that cultural thing that we're teaching um, is that you need to turn to your doctor or the experts for every little thing or the government even, you know, or mm-hmm. public school, you know, who is raising our kids? Yeah. And then, oh, so, yeah. yeah. And so it's, there's so much to unpack here, but also, you know, you, I think this is so interesting. This is just one example of this regarding bed sharing and just a disclaimer um, you can get safe bed sharing guidelines at co-sleeping.nd.edu. That is um, Professor James McKenna's website. I also, if you follow me on Instagram, I also have a bed sharing highlight where I summarize safe uh, bed sharing guidelines because I think that information is really important for every parent to have access to. But when we're talking about bed sharing, I have conversations with people a lot that are very adamantly against bed sharing, but not only adamantly against bed sharing, they're adamant about nobody else bed sharing and nobody having the access to the safe bed sharing information. And when I bring up the work of Professor James McKenna, who is an anthropologist and he studies baby mother sleep, he actually studies the breastfeeding relationship and sleep and bed sharing and co-sleeping. When I bring him up, these people often dismiss his work because he's not a medical doctor. Isn't that wild? That is, it's really wild to me because to me, just based off of what you said, my personality would would gravitate towards him more than a medical doctor when it comes to infant Mm -hmm. sleep. Why do you say that? that? Because that makes sense in my mind. If you have someone who's specifically studying the mother-baby dyad, which is really what we're talking about here, and the connection between a mother and her baby, which is one being, not two, mm-hmm. that just makes sense to me because medical doctors are not taught and trained about infant sleep. They don't understand the mother-baby dyad. They don't no. understand the hormonal matrix. They don't. Are there some that do? Sure. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, they do not understand them. If they did things would not be like they are. Right. And I, I think that, you know, that that's kind of the litmus test of how, where we're at as a society and the whole, how we view the mother baby that, that speaks volumes. Yeah. You know, and just another disclaimer, Alicia, you're probably going to kill me for all these disclaimers. No, but- it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all follow me on Instagram, you know, I have to make a lot of disclaimers because and even with these disclaimers, I'm still probably going to get people that are like, you're bashing doctors. And like, that's not what we're doing. Okay. We know doctors. Alicia's a nurse. I've, I've worked with doctors. There are great doctors out there. Um, but it's just a fact that in general, most pediatricians are not 
sleep expert, infant sleep experts, they don't really often have an understanding of attachment or um, neuroscience or sleep or breastfeeding. And so, and so our point with that is why are we going, well, my point with that, I can't speak for you, but why are we going to our pediatricians for sleep advice? And I think a better question is why have pediatricians made sleep a part of their scope of practice that they routinely ask about because they are not the experts in sleep. But when I bring up Professor James McKenna, who is, I would consider more of an expert in biological infant sleep and co-sleeping, he's dismissed yeah. because he's not a medical doctor. And so then we come to this point where, you know, again, we're dismissing the lived experience Anthropological studies are really important and they're a valuable source of knowledge. Sci you know, medical science, medical research, those are valuable sources of information and wisdom, but they're not the only source of information right. and wisdom. We have right. to value the other sources too. And when we don't, and when we tell parents, you can't listen to these people. You can't listen to your intuition. You can't listen to your family, your family that have been, you know, parents for, for years and years and years and, you know, generations. You can't do that. You have to listen to the medical doctors because of this medical research that doesn't capture the whole story. We're, we're, we're dismissing, we're dismissing valid experiences. And when we're oh, talking about sure. bed sharing, cultures all around the world have bed shared forever and ever. And right. Western, the Western culture is really the first culture to have big enough houses and separate bedrooms and, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of privilege to have this opportunity to have babies sleeping in a solitary environment. Um, I want to say too, like you said, you know, some people are like, oh, you can't listen to those people. You know, you can't listen to like Dr. McKenna because he's, you know, an, anthrop an anthropologist, but this is part of really what I know you talk about on your page and I talk about on my page, parents need to have all the information and not just parents, the people in general. How can you make good, solid, informed decisions if you don't have all the information and cultural, um, you know, things like you were saying um, from the wise people in our, in our communities, which maybe not, don't exist as much anymore or you know ideas from other cultures and from other countries those those are valid mm -hmm. and we need to we need to look at those when making our decisions right and I think you know it's okay too if you are somebody that chooses not to participate in that you know just for the for simplicity's sake, we'll call it quote unquote alternative healthcare practices, sure. but really it's not alternative. It's, right. it's no, what it's was not. the norm. Um, but the problem is that it's almost like we're not given an option as humans, but also especially as parents to participate in any other way of life and any other path to health and wellness other than Western medicine you know, the, just kind of the mainstream approach. And I think that's the problem. You and me, I think are on the same page about parental, parental rights, parental freedom and choice. We Absolutely. should be allowed to choose how we raise our children and Absolutely. to discount all of these other practices is really just, uh, it's just not okay. Um, when I was in nursing school, when I did my pediatric, uh, 
rounding what's the word I want to use not rounding my pediatric I have mom brain <laughs> uh, like an internship yeah well the uh portion I guess oh it's that's not the Practical? right word I can't remember yeah yeah something my, like that my instructor my hospital instructor because we had we had a you know a professor that did our classwork and then we had you know a clinical instructor when we were doing a clinical pediatric clinical there we go um and on I'll never forget, she hammered this home into all of us. I mean, she talked about this. Every time we got together, this was over the course of, I think, eight weeks, she said, the parent is the expert. Mm -hmm. The parent is the expert. When you walk into a patient's room, you know, whatever, you're the nurse, you're with the doctor, you're saying all these things, you're asking questions. The parent is the expert, not the doctor, not the nurse. And that has kind of been my... I say that a lot on my page. You are the expert of your own body. You are the expert of your child, not the doctor, not the nurse, not the midwife, not anyone else. You. No one knows your child like you do. So I think it really stems from, like you said, we're outsourcing our authority and our power to other people that do not know our children or us like we do. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing that? How do we fix that? You know, there's so many questions. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the, there's, and just another, another disclaimer, we are not attacking all doctors. We are not, we are not no. saying don't ever consult with an expert. We are not saying don't go take your child to a doctor, right. but, um, and there are great doctors out there. But unfortunately, there's also a ton of doctors that, and, and you know, I, I probably get more of the stories about the pediatricians and re related to children and babies, and you probably get the stories more related to birth, but there, mm -hmm. the, the language that a lot of doctors uses now does not reflect that, that the patient is in charge, that the doc, the mm -hmm. child or the, the parent is in charge doctors use shaming language and bullying tactics and um, coercion. And it's the stories that I get in my inbox are honestly mind-blowing to me. Mm -hmm. Mind-blowing to me. And I think that just perpetuates the cycle that parents feel intimidated by their healthcare practitioner or doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They feel shamed. Maybe they feel bullied. Maybe they feel intimidated. I think I already said intimidated. Um, and then they feel like they can't trust themselves because there's this, you know, higher authority that's telling, telling me I'm wrong. And then it just continues. So, oh, go ask the doctor. Let me consult with my doctor. And again, we're not saying don't ever consult with your doctor, but there's a difference between consulting with your, doc your doctor because your child, for example, is ill or has an injury than consulting with your doctor about your child's routines and the way they sleep and lifestyle choices and mm -hmm. I don't know, I could think of a million things, parenting choices. You right. are the parent, not your doctor. Doctors are not, doctors are, are not the authority in these lifestyle choices and even breastfeeding, you know, doctors, uh, mm -hmm. doctors, most doctors do not have a lot of knowledge about breastfeeding yet. Mm -hmm. They are giving parents breastfeeding advice or telling them to supplement or, and again, I know there are great doctors out there that are, you know, supportive of breastfeeding and referring to lactation consultants and things like that. But Unfortunately, I think we've gotten to the point where we really, a lot of people really do view doctors almost as like gods. Mm -hmm. 
and don't and forget that they're human and that they're they're fallible and they don't have all of the information. And so you can take what your doctor says and listen to your doctor's recommendations and then reflect on your values and how that aligns with your values. And then you can choose to do something differently. You don't have to make a decision simply because your doctor advised you to. And furthermore, I feel like doctors, I mean, I don't feel like this. I, I, I believe this doctors should not be doctors should be more neutral in the information that they give. They should give you the facts on both sides risks, benefits, et cetera. Here's what well, you can that, do. Isn't that what they're supposed to do? Yeah. Isn't that what true informed consent is? Right. Yes. Right. Instead of, you know, the stories that I hear, I mean, the stories that I hear just specifically about sleep doctors mm. telling their telling parents that they need to sleep train their baby because their six month old will never get out of their bed if they don't get them out now. Or, mm-hmm. um, I lit one of my a client that I've worked with on and off for a while, her doctor told her that her toddler was too attached and referred her to a psychiatrist. Oh my gosh. I mean, these things, I feel like a lot of what is said by doctors is actually dangerous, right? Talk about dangerous misinformation. Right, right. Who is, who is, who's, who's fact checking, checking the doctors that are sharing dangerous and harmful misinformation to, to vulnerable parents? Just us. Yeah, just us. And then we get we get yelled at it for uh, yelled at right. for it. Um, yeah. but We're the not other the only ones. <laughs> yeah, no. But the other interesting thing is I always think about, you know, we're talking right now about how we don't always need to outsource to experts. Mm-hmm. And then here we are as we're we're kind of presenting ourselves as I don't like to use the word expert, but like a professional or somebody that can guide parents. And I always think, where do I fit into this? And I think where Mm. I strive to fit in is I've had to almost create this role to fill a need because of all of the experts out there that are giving parents misinformation or not all of the information at least and telling parents they can't trust their intuition. I feel like I've gotten to this place where I'm now trying to guide parents back to their intuition. And we almost Mm -hmm. need more, you know, quote unquote experts or professionals. I don't love, again, I don't love those terms. I don't really consider mm-hmm. myself either of those things, no. but to kind of do the opposite of what the other experts or professionals are doing and guide parents back to their heart and back to their intuition, because we've, I think a lot of us can't even hear our intuition anymore. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I think it's kind of the same thing for me too. I have to really because my personality is very, well, you know, my personality, yeah. <laughs> but my personality is very, um, very direct, very black and white about a lot of things. You know, it is what it is, accept it, do it, move on. And I, you know, when I get questions from people, I really try to be neutral. And it's kind of like you said, where, where do I fit in? Cause I don't consider myself a medical professional. Um, in real life, I hardly ever tell anyone that I'm a nurse just because, I don't know, uh, I just, I don't think people need to know that, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not something that, I don't know, it's just not it's something like that, that, that appeal, like that appeal to authority that some people yeah, abuse. Like, yeah, I just, I just, you know, if someone's asking me a question, it, it, the fact that I'm a nurse, does that make what I'm saying better? 
mm-hmm. work, you know, does it make you want to listen to me more? I, I, I don't know. I've, I've actually thought about taking it off of my, um, I do have RN in my Instagram bio, but I don't know, maybe I'll leave her for a while. I haven't decided yet. But anyway, back to what I was saying. I try to remain neutral when I'm giving people, I don't want to say advice, because I'm not giving advice. I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. But I'm just trying to maybe get people, if they ask me a question, I always say I answer their questions with a question. How can I get other people to think in a different way or to look, you know, I'll say research this, look at this. Oh, have you looked at this link? Look at this article, look at this study, maybe to kind of get them to tap into their intuition. Because like you said, we have, you know, it's been silenced over the last few generations. Mm -hmm. So how can I kind of help you maybe get back to that? Right. I think maybe we both try to kind of do the same thing in different, in different ways, in different, on different topics. Yeah. And, you know, I have people reach out to me and sometimes and say, you know, I'm really conflicted about your account and the things that you share. And like, what, what would you say to me if I want to sleep train? And I answer and I say, you need to do what's best for you. I'm not telling anybody not to sleep train. I'm just Mm -hmm. letting people know that they have options and I'm letting them know why I don't necessarily agree with sleep training or think that it's the answer. But by all means, if you are a parent and you Mm -hmm. have all of the information and you still feel like sleep training is the best, then that might be something you need to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're always, even in my interactions with people where I'm not telling them what to do, they're almost still asking me for validation or asking me for, um, you know, tell me this is okay. What I'm doing. Um, And so I try to answer questions more of like, it just depends. You need to do what works for you. Even when I'm answering questions in my stories, I feel like half of my questions is there because you're black and white and I see the nuance. Like we're, our personalities are a little bit different in that. I see Mm -hmm. a lot of nuance and sometimes we butt heads about it (laughs) with certain topics. Um, But, you know, there's so many factors and this is what you always say. You decide your risk. So, you know, whether we're talking about birth, whether we're talking about sleep training versus not sleep training, it's going to be individual for each person, for each child, for each family unit, you know? Right, right. We're not all going to make the same decisions based, even based on the same information because we're different people and we all have different scenarios. Mm -hmm. So I, that's something I just, I feel like I wish people could understand better. Right. And I think that's modern medicine really drills or maybe doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not very, um, it's not always easy to see, but it's, I'll go back to birth, uh, with birth. And I guess even with pediatricians and the whole, you know, with infant sleep and breastfeeding, it's all very one size fits all. Everything is very, you know, this is what we're going to do. Oh, you know, I can, when a friend or someone I know or someone, uh, you know, messages me, they'll say, my doctor said this 99% of the time, I can tell you exactly how that conversation went. If this person makes this choice, how that's going to go. Yeah. Because it happens all the time. It's the same thing as it's, it's the revolving door broken record over and over and over. Um, you know, but we're all individuals. Every woman is different. Every pregnancy is different. Every baby is different. And, you know, what works for me may not work for you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And the other thing with that, we've talked about this a little bit, but we, it's, it is helpful. It's helpful to have a healthcare practitioner in your corner to go to and to consult with when you have a need, you know, we're not saying don't mm-hmm. see a doctor or a nurse or, uh, you know, whoever, a lac- you know, lactation, consult- lactation consultants are one of the experts that, you know, I feel like have become so necessary, even more necessary, because again, we've lost that um, kind of that village of, of lots of breastfeeding women who are teaching us how to breastfeed. And so we do need the expertise of lactation consultants to support us in our breastfeeding journeys. Um, but it's also, you as a parent are allowed to find a healthcare practitioner that aligns with your views. You don't just have to go to any regular pediatrician if you don't agree with them or you they say something to you that you don't like. You can find maybe that maybe you want a more holistic um, pediatrician or maybe you want to see a natural your your doctor your child to see a naturopath instead of a um, medical like a you know western medicine doctor maybe you want to take your child to a chiropractor and you know the fact that i'm even saying this now i'm sure that i will get some messages attacking me for saying that but then we go back to why are we dismissing these alternative um paths to health and wellness that are just as valid as you know western medical doctors and western medicine Mm -hmm. I have to say, because I keep thinking about it, this one of the best things, and I think about this all the time, one of the best things you've ever said, and you say a lot of good things, but <laughs> but one of the best things you said is, you know, um, the, the doctor or doctors are not the gatekeepers of my health. I, and I can't take credit for that because that was from Empowered Autoimmune. Okay. Well, that was her I think, quote. I, I think that's excellent. And I follow her and she's great. And, it is, um, yes. But it's... It's so true. It is. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, you know, not all, not all doctors are bad. And I I have a, I I usually say on my page, you know, not all midwives are created equal and they're not, Um, you know, there are some really great midwives out there. Um, I have the pleasure of knowing quite a few, but I've also met some that are not good. You know, Mm -hmm. same thing with doctors. I know some great doctors. Um, doctors that have, uh, you know, saved my life. I've, I've had a few obstetrical emergencies in my life and I've had to and literally, you know, one time in particular, I had a, um, a miscarriage at 16 weeks. I started hemorrhaging due to an overzealous medwife, as I like to call them, um, and ended up having to go to, a, to the emergency room because I was, I was bleeding out and, and losing my life quite literally. And an OB had to save me. So, you know, I say that with the intention of letting people know that, you know, kind of going along with your disclaimer, that not all doctors are bad and we do need them sometimes. And that's okay. And I think part of getting in touch with our intuition again as parents is knowing how to discern when or when, when or when we should not use doctors, whatever. I think, um, you know, medical doctors are just, you know, they're one tool in our toolbox. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think parents, if there's a problem or an issue going on with us or our kids, you know, use our intuition to say, okay, well, maybe I should take my kid to the doctor because, you know, this, this is kind of concerning to me and this is really bothering me. And that's okay. And I think that's, that's, that's also part of it. You know, we're not saying 
never go to the doctor, never, you know, never do this or never do that. No, of course not. Because every situation is, you know, individual. My conversation with Alicia went a little bit long, so I have made it into two parts. So join me next week and I will be back with Alicia to finish the rest of this conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.